1: This is the Copyright 2.0 Show. My name is Jonathan Bailey, and I am not an attorney, but I am a copyright blogger at Plagiarism Today, which can be found at plagiarismtoday.com. My name
0: is Evan Sherris, and I am an attorney. The opinions I express, however, are intended to be general commentary and are not legal advice. No attorney-client relationship is formed, nor should any such relationship be implied. If you require legal advice, please consult with an attorney licensed to practice in your
1: jurisdiction. And hello everyone and welcome to the Copyright 2.0 show episode number 373. My name is Jonathan Bailey. I am from the website Plagiarism Today, which can be found at plagiarismtoday.com. And joining me, as usual, is attorney Evan Sharers, who is not here to dispense legal advice, but will gladly drop a variety of other knowledge bombs upon you over the course of this podcast.
0: Uh, You couldn't say it any better myself.
1: So, Evan, how have you been? Back in Canada for a little bit is the rumor.
0: I was back in Canada for uh, my brother's wedding, which was unbelievable, of course. And, uh, well, and that well, is all that
1: will be said out. about it on this podcast. Yeah, other than <laughs> that,
0: if you can tell by my face, I'm still recovering. So.
1: Yes. And if anyone else is noticing, Evan is obviously reporting from the Fallout 4 universe as his apartment is covered in the bright, blinding flash of a nuclear holocaust. I'm right, so.
0: uh, coming that way, so I'm, I'm good behind this wall, I hope.
1: Be, hopefully, that's a lead-lined wall. It should be just fine, folks. Fine. Don't worry. The rest, rest of D.C. is screwed. Just saying. Yep, I'm pretty much the next president, so... All right. All right. Well, you know, you were like three millionth in line, right? Yeah, exactly. Actually, aren't you a Canadian citizen? Not Canadian? Even, I'm not even in line, no. <laughs> you're, not even a, you're not even a candidate. Oh, well. Sorry to say it. But anyways, yeah... Been a little while. We got a lot of news to catch up on, so it's going to be a fun episode. Though I'm looking forward to this. We got a good rundown of stories this week. I am excited. I think there's some
0: really cool stories today. Some um, very creative judges to uh, talk about, and yeah. uh, you know, a few stories to uh, put the
1: uh, final touches upon. Yeah, we and it, it's going to be a very interesting mix of. Somewhat silly, somewhat serious, and somewhat bizarre, I think. (laughs) I feel like that is pretty much the formula for the show. Yeah, that pretty much is, actually. But, yeah, so we're kicking it off this week. We're talking about the MPA's recent successes against Popcorn Time and Yiffy or Yifey. You know, I never learned how to say it. Yiffy Torrent, I think is how you say it. Um, The U.S. government now says it's a okay to jailbreak your tablet and smart TV, among other devices. Um... Taylor Swift shakes off a copyright infringement lawsuit, which I know you are dying to discuss this one. Um, the Happy Birthday case, we have a new challenger in what could turn into a Smash Brothers brawl-type legal fight over the future of that song. Oris, um, says it's willing to shut down, but the RAAA says, nah, we'd rather go ahead with the lawsuit. Um... A Sony worker, this one fascinates me, a Sony copyright expert apparently stole nearly three-quarters of a million dollars with a song licensing scam. Uh, Dead Mouse sues his former label over remixes and mashups, and Universal film Steve Jobs, in addition to being a terrible bomb in the box office, is now the subject of a copyright action. All right, Not a big win for Universal with that film. We'll get to that in a little bit. So the MPAA, yeah, this one. It's pretty huge. Yeah, well, I think we talked about this one last week, right? And uh, we, were, we weren't were
0: sure the uh, news reports that we were reading were saying that Popcorn Time would shut down. In addition to uh, some, due to, in addition to these various legal filings, infighting. But yeah. Uh, yeah. really, the MPA is coming out here and saying is that what you didn't read about last week was that we've got this injunction, you know, inbound in Canada, which was going to basically do the job, put the nail in the coffin for us. We got it. Uh, it was under seal at the
1: time, uh, but
0: it was us. Awesome.
1: Yeah, and that's basically what it is. Now, not only did they score the win against Popcorn Time, the now it's, it's worth noting this is the largest, most prominent fork of Popcorn Time. It's an open source application. There are other forks out there, but the most this is by far and away the biggest. This is the juggernaut and of the John of for the forks. my
0: own education and maybe for our listeners also. What does that yes. exactly mean?
1: Well basically when you have an open source application that means anyone is free to tinker with alter or manipulate the code in any way that, in almost any way they want with only minor restrictions. What happens is sometimes people and this allows people to collaborate on a project. So all these people were collaborating on popcorn time. But every once in a while another group goes I don't like the way that group's handling it. I don't like the way they're doing it. So we're going to take the same code, and we're going to develop it this way. We're going somewhere else with it. Okay. And that's called a fork. Now, there are some very prominent forks in history. For example, you have all the different Linux distros. are all technically just forks of Linux to some degree or another. But also, one very prominent one a lot of people... In fact, you might be using right now is Mozilla, the browser. Firefox, the browser, okay. is a fork of Mozilla, which in turn is a fork of Netscape. So it's a fork of a fork. So... You know, sometimes these forks go somewhere. But, yes, there are other versions of it out there. That's that not have a slur- fork. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, but there are other forks out there. They So there are still ways to download your popcorn time, if you so insist. But the big juggernaut, the main one, everyone was seen to be by far and away the most popular, is now down. But right. along with it... Becomes a bigger problem for popcorn time while you're free to download any of those other versions almost all of them use the Yiffy torrent tracker as their back end to sort of you know, find the bit torrents get the images and do all that stuff and stream them well Yiffy's down too as the uh, YTS torrent group is shut down due to an injunction in New Zealand at the same time so that's a one two punch it's pretty dangerous if you're a popcorn time user Are you there, Evan? Yeah, I lost you. Okay, so... Okay, what was the last thing you heard?
0: Last thing I heard was you talking about the back end. Um... Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, Yiffy basically was the back end for it, and now it's shut down, too, so a lot of these other forks don't function either now. They can't connect anything. Hmm. Oh.
0: Uh, another victory. The MPA is better and faster. Actually, putting no, down no. All these various... Uh, forks and backend software for uh, piracy sites. And so, uh, you know, this is good news for
1: legitimate providers. One thing that was raised um, on one of the sites I read was that um, Kim.com is from New Zealand. His site was shut down. He's subject to criminal action, possibly extradition. Yiffy is in New Zealand, and they shut down voluntarily due to a deal with the MPAA. You know, a lot of people are saying that's slightly unfair, but you know, then again it has a lot to do with the specific situation. It doesn't appear like Yiffy was making millions of dollars. Yeah, well boo hoo, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You yeah know. I know.
0: Oh, that guy got to cut a deal with the feds, you know, what about me? It's like, well, you know, you don't really you know, what's the expression, beggars can't be choosers here, like yeah. if you set up in an illegal fashion, you know, some people are gonna get lucky, some people are gonna get, you know, the stick, some people are gonna get the carrot. You know, Yeah, um, some
1: people become YouTube, some people become um groove shark. Yeah. Kind of how it works. Yep. Um, yeah, the
0: luck of the drawing. There's going to be less and less YouTube's as. Oh, uh, I
1: think YouTube's the last YouTube. is the last
0: YouTube.
1: I'm pretty sure of that one because now we have legitimate streaming alternatives pretty much in every area I can think of. You know what I mean? Well,
0: the perfect example would be, you know, Oreos, or however you pronounce yeah. it. You know, the story I think yeah, we're going ours, to talk yeah. about that in a little bit, which is that we will. Uh, you know, hey, uh, we love to you know jump into a licensing deal where like "Mm, sorry no the days of you know piggybacking your illegal service and the popularity that it may have garnered into a legal service that uses licenses those days are kind of past. you know um a lot of these organizations have their own uh you know their own end service provider so they don't need you anymore they don't need yeah. the user base anymore. They
1: have their own. Yeah, and get, what is Oris going to bring to the table that Spotify and others can't already bring? You know, I don't know. A, a great hashtag. Stand <laughs> yeah, with that, yeah, a great hashtag debacle. You mean? Yeah, <laughs> that, I guess. Stand with Oris, and all that—that oh, that ended badly. Anyway, great, maybe a, uh, wasn't the right word. No, uh, controversial. I, I, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> I believe it's the cliché supposed to use. Um, but yeah, so basically both Yiffy and Popcorn Time are down, both are down for good, but Yiffy has said repeatedly they are done, they're walking away, and yes, there are other Popcorn Time forks or branches, depending on how you want to look at it, but they, right now, most of them use Yiffy, so they have nothing to connect to, so they really don't function either.
0: Well, so, well if it turns out that someone does go to prison, maybe they're going to be able to jailbreak.
1: Ah, Yes, indeed. It is that time of the tri-annual, tri-year. Right. It's, it's that time. Yeah, I don't think
0: any, I don't think, I'm making a term for that. I
1: don't, I don't think, think there's there, there should it be. Is, it feels like there should be. It is like that time that happens every three years. Three, three years. years. Uh, happy... Um. So, uh, well, that's an event that happens every three. Of us. Screw it. Yeah. There aren't any. There just aren't any. Okay. <laughs> there Happy are no triannual th- anniversary. Yeah, something like that. Although I don't I, know if I that would mean three. What times is it? What is it like the dirt anniversary or something?
0: Well, um, yeah. So, as we're alluding to, uh, quite poorly, the <laughs> Copyright Office has come out with a new round of exemptions To the DMCA.
1: Yeah, and long story short, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, or DMCA basically makes it pretty much flatly illegal to break digital locks or DRM. However, and because, you know, that could be abused in, like, all the ways, they built in a safeguard where the Copyright Office, every three years, institu- um, sort of issues on high these exemptions to the rules. Right. So, here's
0: some of the things that you can now do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the first one, which I thought is the most topical we could talk about, is that you're now allowed to conduct good-faith security research uh, on your car's computer. Yeah.
1: Yes, as long as you're not tinkering with the entertainment system.
0: Right, so this was rallied hard by at least the EFF in wake of the emissions scandal. So this is yeah. one of the ways in which I think everyone can get on board. You know, yeah. what you've had... I have no problem with ...is this. a clear bad actor abusing, basically, uh, their security software to lie to everyone and tell them that, <laughs> oh, you... Cars are great for the environment when that was just not the case.
1: Super clean, yeah. the cleanest of the clean. They're like
0: unbelievable. Diesel's <laughs> not dirty. No, no. So yes, yes. now you know it's it's no longer uh just trust. It's I guess trust but verify. You're allowed to basically hack in and, and figure out what, whether these numbers yeah. are accurate or not.
1: Yeah which I think is completely reasonable. I have absolutely no issue with that. That is why these exemptions exist, dang it. Yep. <laughs> that is exactly why. Um, one interesting back and forth was in the last cycle, which was feels like it was just two years ago. They're, they're off rhythm is what it comes down to. They removed the exemption for jailbreaking phones, but then Congress stepped in and said, no, 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 we're putting that back in. Well, now the Library of Congress and the U.S. Copyright Office has not only reintroduced the, um, which they have to, that's just it. These things expire after three years unless they are, you know, reintroduced. Basically, you not only reintroduced the cell phone jailbreaking, but extended it to tablets, smart TVs, and other similar devices. This is one of these things that go
0: right over my head because I would not have the first clue how to do it. So it's not something I follow. Have you ever done anything like this?
1: No, mm-mm. never yeah. even felt the need really, to be honest with you. I, I know I have some friends that are like hardcore in the jailbreaking iOS and all that, right. but I, I, it's like, well, what can you do with it that you can, I can't do with mine? Well, I can change the color of this. I'm like, well, that's that's great. What I usually hear <laughs> is,
0: like, oh, I can get all the apps for free. I'm like, that that's that's called like piracy. It's kind of illegal, you know. Well, I'm I'm okay well, with paying ninety nine cents for an app, you know. Uh, Especially if I need it. So I, I, I want to reward the person who has created this because yeah. that's what makes them incentivized to make the next.
1: And, and mobile apps are so cheap and so easy to obtain. It's like you have to reach a special level of jackass to pirate those. I'm sorry. You really do. Well, I can get if, my
0: Candy Crush diamonds cheaper than oh. you can. You
1: know. Okay, yeah. if, if that's your reason. Stop playing Candy Crush. You were obviously addicted. Yes. I, you need God, help. I never started Candy Crush. But I, switch to alcohol. Yeah. Less addicting. <laughs> less, less terrible switch for Switch to like any number of drugs. Probably less addicting <laughs> yeah. than apparently that game is. Yeah, meth. Try meth. Just, just give it a shot. See if maybe you can wean yourself off Candy Crush and step down. So, um, on another note,
0: you still cannot jailbreak video game consoles, handheld no. gaming devices, laptops or desktop computers. No. Basically, the Copyright Office makes these decisions after, they're almost like a tribunal, right? They're going to get evidence yeah. and, and testimony from all interested parties. And they were reported to have received <laughs> substantial evidence that uh, all the aforementioned uh, consoles, generally when they're jailbroken, are closely um, tied to piracy. Yeah. Um, although there is an and exception. And I kind of agree with that, actually. I, I agree with that, That's... too. There is an exception that I want to just quickly knock oh. out here. Um, for video games that are legally obtained yes. and uh, who require online play in order to function but those servers yeah. are no longer available yes. and thus not playable, you are allowed yes. to, uh, to, to...
1: And I want to say this as a Steam user and that some guy that probably has sunk a couple of grand into a Steam library. Thank you, Copyright Office. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: What's your... Uh, I, I'm, I, I have Steam. I haven't downloaded a game in long time. Used to play... Cam-
1: yeah, lately I've been working my. I finally got around to playing through the Assassin's Creed series. So I'm, I'm on Assassin's Creed Black Flag, actually. I right played now. that uh, on
0: PlayStation. I thought
1: it was awesome. It is an awesome game. I am truly hooked, and I'm actually. This is true. I found the album on Spotify. It's on there, and I'm listening to the sea shanties as I work. I, I know sea shanties. <laughs> <are> <laughs> great. Sea shanties
0: is I love those two sentences, actually. Uh, it was a really well-made game. I loved, like, jumping It'll... from pirate ship to pirate ship. And,
1: uh, oh, man, just, it's such a great game. I,
0: I am uh, downloading <laughs> Fallout 4 at the moment, so if you don't hear from me for a few weeks, that's what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, I have, that's just it. I've decided I'm going to wait on Fallout 4 till the Christmas sales. It'll probably get knocked off, like, 15%, 20% or so. Yes, it's not so. much, but I'm still worming my way through the Assassin's Creed series. So I've got you know a little time on my hands before I need a new game, and Fallout Four will probably be my next purchase, and I'll be playing it because I I love me some Fallout Three and Fallout New Vegas. Fallout New Vegas is one I think one of the best games I've ever played in my life.
0: Yeah, I uh, I never played the Fallout series, but I did love reading about all the, like the lore about the different. Oh God, so it was, it was the really lore is
1: crazy. You know, do yourself a favor though. I mean, have you Read the alt if you watch the alt history, like there's I can't remember the name of the channel, but it's alternate history channel, where they go what would happen if this or that happened. Mm-hmm. They actually have a full seventeen minute episode on the alternate history that is Fallout. Wow. When it when things change, what happens, and how you get to where you are and when the game takes place. It's really, really cool. You should check it alternate out. Alternate history but, um,
0: seems to be the rage these days. I keep on seeing commercials for like what if the Germans won World War Two? Series that seem to be coming out. Yeah, but anyways, let's let's get back on topic. I could probably we could could honestly do another (laughs) podcast on video games that I could probably the video game
1: podcast with Evan Shares and Jonathan Bailey. um,
0: My favorite story of the week: this Taylor Swift case. Uh, Oh god, we talked about it uh, a few days ago, but we didn't get the chance to tape. And I'm kind of upset we didn't because the case went exactly how I thought it would go. Um, But
1: (laughs) but you get a chance to talk about this great ruling, great Great ruling.
0: You know, I feel like. I would ever become a judge. This would be why to write opinions with fantastic puns. Um, so let's start at the beginning. This gentleman Jesse Bram claims that "Shake It Off" uh, the song was stolen from him, and he wants money and credit, of course. Um, allegedly, they had gone back and forth for a long time without before, before going to court. But it, obviously, those lawyers are like "Go to hell," the- basically, which I don't blame them <laughs> for saying. Now we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this with the LMFAO case which which is um every day I'm hustling right yeah. and they're like oh but I did every day um uh, every day I'm hustling and what did they say every day I'm shuffling every day I'm shuffling yeah right so what the court said if you don't if you remember was that hey your song is copyrightable and your lyrics are copyrightable but as a whole every little part of it individually is not copyrightable. Yeah. That's not how copyright works.
1: He used the letter E. Yeah. I well, am rather I also about used this. So <laughs> I used multiple E's. What the hell? So they ended
0: up looking at these small parts and they're like, hey, you know, like generally short phrases are not copyrightable. This is not sufficiently original. But beyond that, even if it was, people have said this word before. You didn't create it. this is not an arbitrary word that you said, every day I'm hustling, I'm sorry, you have no that was not you. So, basically, as soon as this case came out, and this guy was like, "Oh, I said haters gonna hate and players gonna play in my song," oh, I mean, it's literally a carbon copy, you know? Or, no, it's not. Or fi- figuratively, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, it's figuratively a carbon copy of the previous case where this guy takes a generally maybe niche phrase that some people use, but it's you know, but is used like haters gonna hate and players gonna play. You know th- first of all, obviously, since the songs are completely different and the lyrics beyond those short phrases are completely different, you have no case. And third of all, these are not arbitrary or fanciful, use borrowing a term from trademark law terms. You do not make up, you know, boobly babble boo where it's just like your own word that you've made up. These are regular words that people have used. And so
1: it's a clear loser. I seem to remember haters gonna hate or at least some variation of that thing being a thing in the '80s, even, which would be fitting because Taylor Swift's album was 1989.
0: Right. I'm uh. I I I can't espouse to be you know uh, a language expert who can trace <coughs> the origin of these words. Yeah. Although I'm sure there is someone out there who
1: can. There's you know. somewhere going. Oh, that actually came from the D- Ming Dynasty in China. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> someone's doing that. as we're while, while talking about this. So clear, right. clear loser,
0: and it, it was dismissed it, on emotion, dismissed because you know. Basically, for all the reasons that we were saying, in addition to the fact that he missed some key elements of copyright infringement, um, the judge obviously caught on this and either wrote or had her, her law clerk write this awesome case with, you know, full of puns. So, um, no, I took a few be- of the best quotes from it. Here's the first one. Um, at present, the court is not saying that Bram can never, ever, ever get his case back in court. Uh, which is, of course, to her song, We're Never Ever Getting Back Together. Um, but for now, we've got problems, and the court is not sure that Bram can solve them, which is her lyric from the from the case, because now we've got problems, and I'm not sure we can solve them. So just, like, you know, like, how fun is that? To be able to throw into yeah. a decision. And then the second well, the second one would be, as currently drafted, the complaint has a blank space for songs.
1: <laughs> I love That's my favorite, because yeah. it's subtle. One, you know what I mean? one that,
0: that requires Bram to do more than write his name, which is... Got a blank space baby,
1: you know, and all yeah. name. It's super subtle. I like, I love that one. I don't know much about Taylor Swift songs, but I caught that one on first read because I've heard that one. Well, I would highly encourage you to um, to listen to Adam, Ryan Adams' cover album
0: because okay. that really got me uh, hooked on the songs. I thought he did a really good job. Okay. So they're cool. a little bit more my style musically. And yeah. you know it, you know, they're good friends. Uh, so I felt, you know, like it was. Hey, it was a good way to you, you, know,
1: know, you know yeah and, and and I'll say this I get introduced to a lot of music through cover or parody like growing up like about 60% of the music I listened to from the early late 80s to early 90s came was spawned originally from Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> albums no way yeah yes what the, the, this is true the very first time I listened to Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana was Weird Al's cover <laughs> and then I had to go back and hear the original That's awesome. So Weird Al introduced me to a lot of great music. You know what? I feel like
0: <laughs> this is the kind of thing you need to put down on paper. You know, because it's it's a bit I, it's you know it's every copyright enthusiast and advocator's dream to actually hear that you know, yeah. parody. Even though his you know his are licensed parodies and uh, they real ones, so they actually created yeah. a market. You know, I think you <coughs> may be the exception, but still you exist. Well,
1: so. uh, but and and I do exist, and there are some. And he did some co- more obscure covers, like the, the Crash Test Dummies song that he did, the Headline News one. Right. I don't think I ever would have run across that one, because I did not have MTV at the time that was going on. Back at the
0: time when MTV had
1: music? Was still, had music, yes. Yeah. So I should I should clarify, this is like the early 90s we're talking about here. Right. I did not have MTV at that time where I could easily view it. I, I had a TV in my room, but it only had like the basic stuff, you know what I mean? So, before we move on to the next story, if you
0: do get the chance, or if you haven't already seen it, um... Who replaced Ferguson on the Late Late Show, uh, the British guy?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I love Craig Ferguson, but, yeah, the new guy. I can't remember his name. But, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can picture him. Uh,
0: let, me, let me Google him really quickly.
1: Yeah, I have not watched much of his show because I, I love Craig Ferguson, and, damn it, no one replaces Craig. James Corden. So so James yeah.
0: Corden did a uh, rewrite of Alanis Morris's So that's ironic, that's ironic. Yes, I did hear about that. And and they, they performed it together. It was hilarious. So check that out when you get the chance. Uh, but let's move on to the Happy Birthday case. Another chapter in the saga begins. Oh, this is where God. we thought it was—it was coming to
1: an end. To some kind of a close, yes. Um, you want to bring us up to speed on where we are? Yeah. yeah. Basically speaking, Happy Birthday to you—the most popular song in English language. Everyone knows it. Everyone sings it, as sang it at some point in their life, whether they want to or not. Um, the point of the matter is, up until super recently, Warner Chapel Music was obtaining royalties for using it in commercial settings. Now, people were saying, wait, we can't sing it around your table. Yes, you could always sing it around your table. It was commercial uses, like in films. Which brings us to our filmmakers here, who actually, well, a filmmaker filed a, a, a class action, well, they're seeking to make it a class action suit, uh, claiming that Warner Chapel was collecting royalties without justification, that the song was in the public domain, and that they were just basically collecting royalties for nothing. Well, the two battled back and forth, and recently it was ruled by a judge that Warner Chapel could not prove it had received the copyright chan- transfers, basically the chain leading back to the original, which was Patty Hill who authored it. The, the, the chain was incomplete, and that Warner Chapel had no proof that they actually had a legitimate claim to the song. Right. Now, that didn't mean the song was in the public domain. It just left us without a valid claim. Which, of course,
0: it. is what every... Responsible news for reporting, and we, uh, we had
1: that. that. Okay, real fast. Do you watch Blue Bloods, the show? I don't. Ah, uh, there was actually the the the, the show's kind of weird. It's a cop show, but like they take interludes to sit around a kitchen table and talk for a while every once in a while. It's bizarre. But during one of the kitchen table sequences, they started singing "Happy Birthday." And, the like, the patriarch of the family cut him off and explained, you know, oh, we can't do that yet because the it's not in public domain yet, and actually explained the case. I thought pretty well. That's but, um,
0: pleasantly surprising.
1: It is. It's very pleasantly surprising. I recommend checking it out. I'll have to find out what episode it was in. Um, I only saw that one section because Ellie here saved it for me. It's like, you have to see this. It's copyright. It's copyright. You have to see this. Like, okay. <laughs> I'm not much of a TV person, but... <laughs> So, yeah, that was pretty cool. But that's where we are until... <laughs> John? You there? Okay. Yep. We must have dropped for a split second. But, yeah, basically, uh, check out the Blue Bloods thing if you haven't seen it. Um, I'm sure there's a clip of it somewhere, probably on CBS's YouTube. I have to, have to guess. Right, so... But, um, but that brings us to where we are now, which...
0: Which is... <laughs> Um, which is basically uh, somewhere where, I guess, I was not expecting us to be. It brings us to the concept of intervention, and intervention as a matter of right. So,
1: this a, For the record, this has absolutely nothing to do with intervening on a family member or anything like that.
0: A, it is not a drug intervention.
1: No, this is a legal intervention, which so, is different.
0: There's a rule that governs a non-party's ability to intervene in a pending action. So basically, if they file the motion on time, the court is generally required to permit anyone to intervene who claims an interest relating to the property or transaction that is subject to the action. Because basically, as a practical matter, if two people are fighting over something and you're a third party who thinks, hey, I have a claim to that thing, if the court is allowed to adjudicate over it, you're kind of out of luck. You know, you have to be able to get in there on time and be like, no, wait, you know, this is really my property so in the ninth circuit uh intervention is governed as following um the party who is seeking to intervene needs a significant and protectable interest relating to the property or transaction that is the subject of the action which in this case is the copyright ownership of happy birthday secondly the disposition of the action uh, must as a practical matter impair or impede the applicant's ability to protect that interest so it has to have an impact on their ability to exercise control over their interest, <coughs> or benefit off their interest, or just basically affect that interest. Uh, the application has to be timely, which means that you can't can you can't wait until a jury retires to be like, oh wait, hey, and of course, oh yeah, we changed our mind, we're in. You know, the existing parties may may not uh, adequately re- represent the applicant's interests. You know, for example, if the class has been certified and then all of a sudden you're like oh wait no i'm a plaintiff too we're like well you're being represented so it's fine so in this case we have let me pull up their name here for a second the, uh, this is gonna look bad because they're a charity the association for childhood education internationally uh so they're basically saying we're like wait you're saying mm-hmm. that the previous agreements that." Uh, some previous agreements did not transfer the rights to Happy Birthday to the defendants, so that would mean that since the uh, one of the uh, one of the sisters, I forget which sister it was. Anyways, I think the second sister, because the first sister owned it, and then she gave it to her sister. When she died, she gave a third of her estate to us, and we still own that estate. So therefore, if the agreement that you, the court, are claiming, are void, that means we actually own a
1: own a, a portion of this, so we need yeah. to get in here. And that seems perfectly reasonable. Cool to me. And also, it seems re- their claim seems reasonable, too, because, like I said, the issue previously was that, that that chain of transfers was broken. Right. And basically, if that chain of transfers is broken, then it makes sense it would reside with whoever owned it last. Right. Which may very well be the Patty Hill Estate, which one-third of, as you mentioned, Patty belongs. Hill.
0: Thanks for saving me while I was struggling with that and waiting to last.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you struggling yeah. with it. I was like,
0: which one of the sisters was it? I didn't want to say the wrong Patty, sister. Patty, 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 Patty Hill.
1: Sorry. I'm sorry. I did not realize you were struggling with it. It's I would have okay. jumped in and saved don't you. Don't worry about it. Um, no, but yes, Patty Hill, um, it would make sense that it would be the estate. And if that's the case, then this charity owns one-third of that estate. And where the other two-thirds is, I don't know. Don't know either. But, but you know, I still... I still believe pretty firmly that the song is public domain for a lot of reasons, the age of creation, the publication, but also, as we've talked about many times, it's nothing but short phrases and six notes. This is the weirdest case that
0: makes no sense to me. You know, we've done, I think we've talked about this a million times. I don't personally I don't... believe there's anything copyrightable about these lyrics. Uh, it's preposterous, but...
1: Uh, I digress. But we don't have to go over this again. Yeah. yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole all the way. Um, we'll just leave it where it is.
0: Yeah, so who knows what's going to happen here. I, I mean, I, I've i read their uh, their motion to intervene, and it's, uh, it seems...
1: Sound, I mean, ish. Yeah, and, and
0: as far as I could tell, the other two parties have not filed a motion to... Um, a motion... Uh, basically, uh, contradicting this, this motion to intervene, they have not filed something against it,
1: so it's currently unopposed. Um, yeah. And, well, Warner Chapel's not likely to because if if Patty, if, if they win, in a weird way, Warner Chapel still wins. Because odds are if, they, if the estate claims the rights again, they're probably going to go back to Warner Chapel to continue licensing it. Right. It'll probably be a return to the status quo, basically. They'll just fix the errors in the chain and. Move forward, that is, if the song's not, you know, that that stuff, um, all that stuff we just discussed. Well, but that brings but there sorry, you go. go. ahead. No, but that's basically it. I I can see why though the filmmakers would want to oppose it, but I don't know if they have much grounds upon which to oppose it. So there you go.
0: Yep, that brings us to this uh, Sony Worker uh, case, which was very fascinating. I thought it
1: brought us to Auras. Oris. Brought us to Oris. Um, Ron, <laughs> yeah. It brings us to Oris. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Um, <clears throat> yeah, basically, Oris, as we all know, was the uh, TV show, uh, the TV, music, st- I've, got, I've got film on on my brain. There was an article about film on earlier today that we're going to have to talk about next time. But Oris, as we all know, is the music streaming service, a la Spotify, but rather than pulling its music from a carefully crafted, licensed library of music built up through vigorous negotiations with all the interested parties... Oris just pulled its music from wherever the hell they could find it, basically. <laughs> Including a bunch of unlicensed and illegal sources, the RIAA filed suit within three days of them launching their Alpha, public Alpha test. That's got to be some kind of speed record, dude. I'm not kidding. That's got to be something.
0: Yeah, I know. It was almost uh, a month ago now that downloads were suspended, October 16th. Yeah. They're in big trouble. This is major flame they get started, you know... I have been observing their hashtags down with Oris arguments with various people in the industry. And, oh, it's kind of just impressive how efficient the uh, music people have become. at.
1: Yeah, it is. And we talked about the MPAA earlier in the music industry and in the movie industry getting better about it. They're not the only ones learning, basically, is what it comes down to. Now, what's interesting, though, is basically the RAWA swooped in and almost immediately got an injunction. It's like the quickest injunction you can fathom. They got it. And Oris apparently, according to this article, broke that injunction because the injunction barred them from releasing the software for download. And they not only released it for download, they posted it on GitHub as an open source project. That's like the ultimate release.
0: Yeah, that is uh, an uncontrolled release to everyone. So that was basically their giant middle finger. Yeah. Courts, which is never. Good.
1: No. No, look, guys. If you get an injunction, even if you disagree with said injunction, follow the injunction. You can get the injunction overturned later. The, the, there's, there's a means for that. Well, Violating the injunction, even at a, even a one that you don't deserve, will get you in trouble.
0: I, you know, I, I hesitate to even spend. More breath on these people. They're in the flash in the pan. They're going to be gone. This is the method, the business method of a decade ago, if not more.
1: You know. Yeah, yeah. We talked about it, man. There's only one YouTube, and that's it. We're done. Not happening again. Because yeah, Spotify didn't like did pull the Oris route. They started from ground zero as a legitimate company. They started now, mind you, they started in Sweden, which made things a little easier. You know, smaller country, easier to get rights holders on board with the experiment. But they quickly expanded after they they at least felt that they had enough footing to do so. So, yeah, there's ways to do it legitimately, guys. And now they're asking, saying, hey, we'll negotiate a license. And no, they're not interested. The RAA won't. They sense blood in the water. That's what they want. That's the end of the story. Right, which is a shame because
0: even though I personally don't know if they had some sort of, you know, improved UI, or other concepts that would really separate them, then, you know, find a way to do it legitimately. And,
1: and yeah, well, I mean, and... Or... I, I don't see how sort of, you can have an improved UI with a library you don't control when it comes to music. Because, remember, Groove Shark had terrible UI, because you had to you had to filter through all these crap versions of every song to find the one you wanted. So, yeah. So that's what, when you don't have a library you control and you can tag and mark properly and you're dependent upon other people's APIs, yeah, you're just creating a mess. It's, it's one of the reasons I think Spotify succeeded over where GrooveShark failed isn't just the legality, it's that it was just genuinely better. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sony. Sony now Sony. This is oh, God. a fantastic story, you know. <laughs> Uh, it's fanta- fantastic. You keep using that word. Well, you know, fantastic um,
0: doesn't always mean. Yeah, I know. It, I know. You're right. You you're know, right. it's more like in the fantastic isn't like a in the in size and scope in in sheer. You know, uh, fortitude. Oh, yeah, fortitude. <laughs> yeah, fortitude. Fort, let's say fortitude. <laughs> so you work at Sony. <laughs> you license music for Sony. You tell your bosses at Sony that. Gentleman A, owns the rights to songs A through, Z, you know, whatever. This, this He has got this big portfolio. We need to pay him. Let's pay him reasonably well as well, you know. And let's do this for, what, a, a decade? Almost. Yeah, almost a decade. Almost yeah, a almost decade. Almost. Mm-hmm. But, as it turns out, you know, Person A is not the owner of any of this music. He's, he's just he's, some random he's dude or woman. <laughs> he's
1: your buddy. He's your partner so, in this.
0: you know... I'm surprised that the actual owners of, these, I mean, they must have done their research and found songs that they thought were orphan works or owned by people who had a history or no history of enforcing their copyright, because to last this long while ignoring the actual owners of these work and then to never get sued is, is a pretty impressive record.
1: Or to at least tack him on as a co-owner, you know, when the, while the legitimate owners get a smaller cut at the very least. Right. I, I didn't. I don't know if they did that. that. I don't know how. I don't know exactly how it worked. It's not in any of the articles. But no, it's not. Yeah, but that... they, they added him as a owner or rights holder to these songs when he clearly had nothing to do with it, though.
0: Right. And well, you know, the uh, the piper has come. It's time to pay him. And Ooh, this, it's going to be this.
1: This is going to be jail
0: time. This is clear criminal activities,
1: fraud. This is, yeah, fraud. This is what fraud was written for. This yes. is fraud. This is
0: fraud. And so, these two gentlemen
1: are going to jail, I would say. Yeah, and, but the amazing thing to me is that Sony paid $376,000 and some change over the course of this scam, of which they paid it to the the, the person A, the outsider, who then paid 410000 back to Guzman's the guy's name, the right. one that worked inside they Sony. They had come
0: kind of, some kind of like 55, 45 splits, or 60, yeah. 40 split I don't think we have to do the math here. The, you know, the content yeah. is important here. Yeah. More than 250 songs. 250. What did, like, what was this guy, like a savant? Like, would
1: did they stick to one category of music? How does he write so
0: many songs?
1: Yeah, he uh, was a classical composer or something. They don't, there you go, that's how you do this. Yeah. But then again, he wouldn't get any money, so... Yeah, I'm... They've got to be fairly popular songs to get that much money. I mean, they, 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 would, they don't have to be, like, hits, but you know what I mean? They've got to be songs people actually listen to, is what I'm saying. That's right.
0: I, you know, I don't know enough about Sony's catalog, but I'm sure it, it spans the... The oceans of music. The oceans, the, of, the oceans music. of music. Oh, wow, very poet. Oh, it, it spans the oceans of music. Um... This gentleman is uh, is now paying for what is essentially almost a million dollars in fraudulent income between the two of them, and that brings us to I think our final story of the day here, which is Deadmau. Uh,
1: we have two more actually. We have the uh, the Steve Jobs story too. Right, the Steve
0: Jobs story, the Shark story.
1: <laughs> yeah, Deadmau. This one's fairly um, straightforward in my opinion, though. But Deadmau's electronic dance music or EDM artist that everyone knows for his big, cute, not Mickey Mouse trademark infringing hat. That actually was a case. Um, It was? Huh? It was a case. Yeah, it was a case. Yeah, that actually happened. Um, Basically speaking, when he got his start, he apparently had signed with a label. And I'm trying to find the name of the label. I had it right here and I just lost it. Um, But basically, he did some music with them, and then decided he was going to leave for Greener Pastures. Right, which is normal... For that's most typical. Artists, you know, you sign a pretty
0: shitty deal when you start. Maybe it doesn't last that long with someone you met at the local bar, and then once you start blowing up, that person starts to, ho-
1: you know, hold on for dear life. As you're like,
0: oh, you know what? I kind of need to
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, he did, but he signed a deal with his former label, according to Deadmau5. At least preventing them from releasing remixes or new versions of his songs that he recorded with them, without his permission. Right. Apparently, that's exactly what they did. <laughs>
0: Right, and he, it's important to note that he also did not waive his moral rights, which do not exist other than with visual... Yeah, the bar, uh, Visual, visual Artists' Rights Act, yeah. Right, uh, it does not exist in the United States, but it does exist elsewhere. So, they basically did that, and now he's like, what the hell, this is, you know, you do not have my prior written consent, which is what was needed here. Uh, not only that, but uh, he's suing for violation of his moral rights because he alleges the remixes are of bad quality. Which is an issue uh in in other regimes, because of course you wouldn't want your music released to bad quality, and then people are going to associate that with you. He is also suing in trademark law because the release you know made it seem like he was associated with this commercial enterprise in which he was not, so that is a trademark violation um,
1: and now what is interesting though is this lawsuit is filed in Canada in Ontario, Canada <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, you dirty Canadians. Hey! So so moral rights do exist here, and uh, so it's not something we would see in the United States. So, yeah, it's it's worth noting this is an Ontario-Canada lawsuit. So everything has to end with A, and they all have to talk with their heads. And every Um, single time you ask
0: a question to somebody on the stand, you have to say, I'm sorry.
1: Oh, yes, yes. And, of course, the judge is going to go, what is all this about? Um... (laughs) Never, so, yes, that, that's all I know about Canada. That's all the, the Canadian jokes I have, unfortunately. Can I, Actually, every Canadian I met, including yourself, has been really, really great. So I shouldn't poke too much fun at Canada. But then again, I poke fun at America, too, so. It's okay. I'll take it personally. I'm equal opportunity. Equal I opportunity. Really,
0: I agree. That, I think everyone should be equal opportunity, you know. Uh,
1: for the jokes. The, jokes. the harmless. The, play, the playful jokes. Exactly. I agree. But anyways, yeah, so, yeah, it, it's an interesting lawsuit. And, um... It sounds like, judging from both the location and what he's saying, he actually has a pretty strong case. I don't think someone as well-versed with legal, with, with the courtroom as Dead Mouse is, and he is very well-versed over the years, would fire off, you know, without a solid case. So I, I feel pretty confident. He's actually had a fair amount of legal battles over the years in battling the use of his music in ways he did not appreciate. So this isn't his first rodeo. Yeah. This isn't. All Ooh. right. So that brings us to Steve Jobs and the shark photo. Oh man. Um. Yeah. This one is really interesting to me because, as we all know, Unif- was it's at least the sixteen people who went know, Universal released this movie it's Steve Jobs the second Steve Jobs movie and in- yes. My God, was I the only one thinking, wait, is this the same Steve Jobs movie, or is it another? What's the deal here? Um,
0: I, I know Ashton Kutcher played in the first one. Uh,
1: yeah, so and and here's the thing. I love my Apple stuff. This, my end of the podcast, recorded on a MacBook.
0: That was mine. I also do love me my some Michael Fassbender, fantastic actor.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my phone is an Apple iPhone. I love me some Apple. Apple, Apple, Apple. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I do not need two Steve Jobs movies. Right. Uh, in this second
0: film, there's this exchange between Jobs and an Apple employee tasked with finding the right photo of a ravenous shark. So basically they go through 39 shark images, but they're trying to show that Jobs is a you know, mental case perfectionist
1: which he was and,
0: which he was and so he, the employee basically hardly sees the difference in the various photos and Jobs does Finally finds the right image well you know that image is somebody's property and they didn't license it uh oh
1: well and the well, Steve Jobs actually did license it it's worth noting Steve Jobs went out found the photographer got a one year license for it to use it and also used it in some promotional material related to the announcement he did it upright when the film recreated the scene they did not that's right so yeah <laughs> we'll see so, how this one
0: progresses I don't really think there's much of a very you know there's really really no excuse for missing
1: it uh, and it would not have been that much No, probably
0: <laughs> not you know uh, allegedly Aaron Sorkin got the idea for the part about finding the right shark because you know this happens and so yeah. you gotta license it not a de minimis situation like the uh, Mel Gibson movie, What Women Want. This is a famous case in copyright law about de minimis use where someone's pinball machine was in like a two-second pan uh, in a scene. Is like, hey, those are my designs. You, you didn't pay me. Well, the court's like, the, what the go hell? away. The law does not concern itself with these little trifles. But when you kind of have a scene centered around an image, I think it might change. Although I don't think this is a black and white case.
1: I wouldn't say it's black and white, but it definitely is not an easy one to dismiss either. Which right. Is...
0: So how many seconds does it take? And I think in addition then, to an argument, it's a, and of... since
1: it's sort of a focus of an element, exactly, of the it's plot. a quality
0: and quantity issue.
1: Yeah. And not having seen the movie, like apparently everyone else in the country, I can't really comment on how much it is in the film. <laughs> um, but So basically, yeah, that's kind of the way I look at it. Is This one is, it's going to come down to exactly how it was used in the film, but since considering I've heard, like you said, there was a whole sequence there where they were trying to find the exact perfect image, it sounds like it plays a pretty key role in the movie at least in that scene, and therefore probably should have been licensed. And the reality of it is, licensing it almost certainly would have been cheaper than the lawsuit, even if they win.
0: Well, licensing is always cheaper
1: than a lawsuit. I know. I than a lawsuit. A federal deficit, that's more expensive than a lawsuit. Yeah, the, yeah. the interest on it. There, there you go. Yeah. Found something. But that, that's how far I had to go, though. <laughs> well, John, no? great catching up. Great catching up with you, man. Um... Any final thoughts, anything else you want to share?
0: Um, I think like I told you before we started recording, in addition to working for Amalfi Home Furniture as their in-house counsel, I'm going to be working with law dork, doing trademark filings, trademark search, and, uh, clearance, and basically uh, everything other than litigation with them. So if you are Thanks. a listener and you have a trademark question, please email me. At or once I have my email.
1: And also, of course, you can Twitter him at com, And and Twitter me
0: at that.
1: Twitter me at Twitter him. He's also in the tweets that I put out about the podcast every single time, so hit him up there. Well, on that note, I'm Jonathan Bailey from Plagiarism Today, which can be found at plagiarismtoday.com, and I'm username plagiarismtoday at all the things, and I think that pretty much covers it for the day. We see them, John. Hmm? And we see what? Everyone else. Oh, I don't know. Well, probably hopefully, next week. We would like to give a very special thank you to Pit X for contributing the Copyright 2.0 show theme song entitled Me Boo. It is available under the Creative Commons by attribution license and can be found at ccmixter.org by searching for the word Me Boo. Thank you very much, Pit X. Hey, 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 hey.